Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Any Given Sunday Dynasty League podcast. We were supposed to have Cameron Haynes with us, but he is house hunting, being a responsible adult. So instead, we kind of threw together an emergency drop uh, with Justin and Parker, in which we're going to be talking about strategies, uh, things that, uh, like when you decide you're in win-now mode, what to do, when you decide to rebuild, how to engage in it. But before we jump into any of that stuff, let's uh, do some news and notes. There were three major traits that have happened since our last pod, and I'd like to get your guys' take. The first involves Adam Thielen. Um, my team traded with Jeff's team. I gave up Adam Thielen. In return, I got Raquel Armstead, a 2021 second, actually three 2021 uh, second round picks. What are your guys' thoughts on that, that uh, trade? Go for it, Parker. <laughs> I mean, I think as far as the player stock that was traded, uh, Thielen is definitely the better player. But that's a lot of draft capital for Adam Thielen, who's – he's approaching 30, isn't he? He'll be yeah. 30 when the season starts. Yeah, okay. So, And he's coming off his first, to my knowledge, pretty major injury. Uh, he missed a, quite a bit of time last year with that, with that injury. So, I don't know. I'm always hesitant to pick up – and or drop any kind of draft capital or or quality player for an aging player let alone one that's coming off of an injury uh especially at a position that's as inconsistent as wide receiver can be uh that's one of the reasons that running backs are so near and dear to my heart is because they tend to be more consistent but looking at the trade i think Thielen is the better player um but three second-round picks is going to be nice. So I think if I had to give somebody the dub for the trade, I would say I would say you. I'd say you probably won that trade. But that's actually the I, only reason it's on the podcast. I just wanted to be praised. <laughs> <laughs> no, and also it matches your team vibe. Um, you know, if you're trading for youth. You're not necessarily in a win now, which we'll talk about that later. Um, but trading away feeling for peak value, right? Um, I think getting three seconds in an eight-team league, right? So that's picks, you know, three of the nine through 16. Uh, that's quality capital right there. Um, and so I thought, I, I thought it was a great trade for you and a great trade for Jeff because I think Thielen's got great potential to be a wide receiver two or one, you know? Um, and so slide him over for, you know, a year or two, however long he's got. I, I liked it for both teams. I really did. What are your guys' thoughts on Raquel Armstead? Do you have thoughts on Raquel Armstead? <laughs> I, I didn't bring him up for a reason, right? I, uh, I think uh, with Fournette and with Chris Thompson there, uh, I think Chris Thompson, if Chris Thompson's healthy, I mean, I, the ceiling is the roof, right, as Michael Jordan would say. Um, I mean, he's he's going to be able to get a ton of targets, I think, and I don't know what's left over for Armstead. But Chris Thompson's always injured. Fournette's always injured. There could be a week or two where Armstead is the only show in Jacksonville, and but I don't know much about him personally. Okay, well, uh, that's that. The second trade we, uh, that happened, the major trade that happened, is um, Devontae Parker and a first for Leonard Fournette and A.J. Green. Parker, what you got on that? That was a crazy trade. Uh, I remember it happening. I think A.J. Green has changed teams three times now. <laughs> it's within the last couple of weeks. Um, if only he could really change teams. That would yeah. that'd be really good for him, I think. <laughs> but um, he, Devontae Parker is one of those players that 
could have a really, really good season with the changes Miami could be making at quarterback. Um, if Tua, and I don't know if, and I don't think anybody knows if Tua is going to immediately start, but if, if he comes out and has a good year, Devontae Parker should have a good year. Um, and he's also really young, as opposed to A.J. Green, who is really not. And uh, A.J. Green also has kind of a case of the injury bug. Um, it's kind of sad how often we say that about receivers, isn't it? But, you know, the first-round pick and Devontae Parker, I really like that trade. I really do. Because Leonard Fournette didn't have a great year last year. Um, as a matter of fact, it's been – I feel like it's been a hot minute since Leonard Fournette has had a truly great fantasy year. So I think, you know, the, the Parker in the first round definitely wins that trade. But I don't necessarily dislike the trade on the other side either, especially um, A.J. Green's going to come in, and if he's healthy, you know what you're getting in him. He's, he's as consistent as consistent can be at the wide receiver position. And then, you know, Leonard Fournette being a running back, you know how I feel about running backs. Um, he's definitely going to get his touches. We'll see what he can do. But I like the Devontae Parker first-round pick of that trade. Yeah, I think uh, by getting Parker in the first, it's pr- potentially you get the two best pieces. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think especially going, you know, by, by the time 2021 starts up, the odd, not the odds, but it's very possible. And so I'll take that upside every single time. Okay, and then the last trade that we were going to kind of break down today um, is actually one of the most – I've talked to a couple <laughs> different people in the league about this, and everyone has a different take. The OBJ for Kenyon Drake trade. Um, let's, uh, let's start it up. I'll pitch it up to you, Justin. What, what are your thoughts on this OBJ for Kenyon Drake trade? This is the epitome of what fantasy football is, right? Because two years ago, imagine, just imagine two years ago, <laughs> hey, I'll give you Kenyon Drake for OBJ. You get declined so fast and you get roasted in the chat and, people, and you get blasted on Twitter. It's a terrible <laughs> offer, right? Um, but, people, but, you know, and then you also look at the trade that the Browns gave up and people are like, wow, the Giants sold low. The Giants sold so low. But then you see what the Browns didn't get out of OBJ, right? So I think this, this trade is the epitome of fantasy football and how things can just swing so quickly. So personally, I like Kenyon Drake a lot this season. I think he finishes – I think he's going to finish near the top of running backs. I don't, I'm not going to give out a number or anything, but I think he's going to be very solid on a solid offense. Um, versus OBJ, who I think is the more talented player, right? I think we've seen OBJ produce in ways that – are phenomenal and put him put him on pace for a little bit to be on you know with the greatest of all time but he's got some off the field stuff and even on the field stuff that makes him undesirable sometimes uh so i would have taken drake as well i like the consistency i like to know what i'm getting out of a guy um and i've got obj in a couple leagues and i don't feel like, like phenomenal about it you know because like if last year he was a receiver like 20 something i mean he wasn't worth the price that i paid um and so i i like drake i like knowing what i'm going to get and position scarcity there Mark, what you got? Yeah, I think Jeff won that trade. Um, I We talked on our the podcast that we did about how high I am on Kenyon Drake. He was one of my underrated players. People aren't really talking about him for whatever reason. But he really came alive in that Arizona offense last year. And uh, Arizona looks to just be better this year than they were last year, pretty much in every facet. Um, I'll take a running back. A good running back over a good wide receiver just about any day of the week. And it's been 
a long time since we've seen Odell put up those numbers that made all of the fantasy owners fall in love with him in the first place. You know, Baker Mayfield, as long as he's the quarterback there, he's already got an established relationship with Jarvis Landry. Landry's been consistently the better receiver there in Cleveland. I'm not saying that Landry is the better receiver, but there in Cleveland in that system, Landry has been better. So I like Drake here. I really do. Well, I uh, I guess I'm the lone wolf who disagrees here. I actually prefer the OBJ side of this trade. Uh, my reasoning is pretty simple. Kenyon Drake's ceiling to me is, is really low. I think he's a high floor guy. But in that offense, I'm not so sure that he's going to have the consistent touches to be relevant. Um, I think because he catches out of the backfield so effectively, that makes him a little more desirable. But I'm just not sure the rushing totals are going to be there for him. Uh, I actually had him statted out this year as running back 16. So I'm, I'm really low on him. Uh, and OBJ, though I don't know if he'll bounce back this year, he may not. He's OBJ. And we're talking when he's on his, uh, when he's at his apex, a top five wide receiver. And I will take a young, you know, under 30 top five wide receiver over a running back who has five games of proof that he could be fantasy relevant. Um, but I, I do see what you guys are saying. And Kenyon Drake, for all intents and purposes, he is an incredible athlete. And I think they're going to find ways creatively to make him valuable. I'm just not so sure I want him on the roster while they try to figure out what that looks like. Yeah, he was a good talent even when he had Adam Gase, right? That was yes. just what held him back, I think, from being a longer-term successful guy. Well, generally I mean, Adam Gase is where offensive players go to die. Yeah, um, yeah. I hate Adam Gase for fans. <laughs> it's like whenever – like he's now with the Jets. I, I'm just not touching a Jet. <laughs> like you just can't. You just can't trust – you just can't trust Adam Gase because he'll take an amazing offense and absolutely positively ruin it every single time. And he'll still get another job, which is crazy. <laughs> he has no proof that he's a good coach at all. <laughs> Well, uh, one other, a couple of uh, announcements and stuff that I wanted to pitch out to you guys. I'm catching you off guard. I didn't tell you about this ahead of time, so uh, this is going to be your on-the-fly responses. We talked about, uh, about a week ago, I posted on the chat about the possibility of having a uh, COVID-19 protection um, for your team. That way, if, for instance, the New England Patriots get the virus and they have to cancel a week, or if the Vikings, you know, et cetera. Uh, how do we, as a fantasy league, uh, compensate against that? So here are some ideas I have. I'll, I'll throw them out, let you guys give your takes and see what you, uh, what you think. First, I think, is this. We're going to extend our injury reserve um, slots to allow for players who um, develop COVID to go there. We also, we also will have, um, if, if four or more NFL teams cannot play a week, we will not score the week. So those are the two provisions that I've read about and I wanted to throw out there. Uh, what are your guys' uh, thoughts on that? Starting, uh, let's go Justin first. Uh, I hate even having to think about this, if we're going to be honest. You know, it's just like I'm only doing dynasty drafts and stuff because I'm like, football's going to happen. Football's going to happen. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to be able to rock and roll. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like having provisions for it. I'm not doing that in any of my other leagues and no one else's. So I appreciate your – like, this really is – I haven't heard anybody else talking about this. Um, and so I guess for my own wisdom, whatever that's worth, um, I like the a couple extra injury reserve spots. Would the IR spots be, like, 
like are we calling them like COVID spots? Like you have two regular and then two COVID spots. Is that what kind of how it's going to work? Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be specialty COVID spots that, um, well, like for instance, there's a possibility that they're going to be unlisted on the injury report. Uh, the NFL's already talked about that. And so most of the time they wouldn't be allowed on the IR. We'll, we'll make some provisions so they can be. Okay. Yeah. So then I like that a lot. I like, especially if you're not, I don't know, because the IR spot can be like, well, he's day-to-day, so I'm going to go and throw him on there and pick up this free agent and see what he does this week, you know. Um, so I like that a lot of just making it a COVID spot. Um, I think reacting ahead of time rather than letting it happen and then trying to scramble to have an answer. I think that's really good. I like that a lot. Mark, any objections? No, not at all. I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, it is an incredibly unique situation, but – I think it's great, especially in something like a dynasty league where you can make provisions like that. I just don't see that. There's no drawback to it, if you ask me. There's there's only upside here, and I think I think if there's only upside, it's probably something that you ought to do. So that's my take on that. I just think I think it's a good idea. Both both ideas are great. Okay, then we will uh, we'll go forward with that. Uh, I'll throw a chat up there. I just wanted to get some insight and have some discussion, so people listening to this can kind of know what's coming and why we're doing what we're doing and get some insights on it. The other thing is not going to happen until 2020, uh, the end of the 2020 season in the 2021, we're going to be switching our waivers into fab dollars. I love spending that moolah. So uh, for those of you who are unaware, basically what that means is instead of a waiver priority list where you, you know, just however you did that week decides where you are on priority, you get to auction and buy players. Uh, so, for instance, each one of us will have 150 fab dollars. And throughout the course of the year, the guy drops a free agency. You want him, you have to invest them. This, uh, this money is tradable. Uh, you can use it to trade. And I've seen people buy draft picks with it to buy players from other players uh, to have this, this stockpile. And it will accumulate. So, if you don't use it one year, it'll, it'll transition into the next year. Uh, very similar to um, the way the actual NFL functions. Right. Uh, so, uh, Parker, what are your thoughts on switching to fab? Do you like it, hate it? What's your thoughts? I like it. I think it makes waiver claims so much more interesting. You know, you get rid of the waiver system altogether, and it's just like an auction house. Um, and that feels like actual NFL free agency to me. You know, these guys that are sitting at home without a team, they start to get calls. They're going to go with the best deal, you know. And I think this makes it feel a little bit more – authentic and a little bit more competitive too. you know, going into the week, you just, you just really don't know what's going to happen in the free agency period. And I think that keeps the game interesting and I love it. Okay. Justin, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Big fab guy, man. I love fab. I think it's a lot more fun. I think it's very, like, that's amazing is that it's more fun. Um, like I've had, you know, rolling waivers or whatever. And I knew I had the first, you know, I knew I was a first of priority, so I waited a week until something really big happened. I was like held on to that one spot as long as I could. And that's not that's not good. You know, like you don't you don't want to limit activity. Like I knew that that was not the best benefit for the league, but it was the best benefit for me. I'd rather promote things that are the best thing for the league and make, you know, well, if I got to do the best thing for me, it's also good for the league. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, absolutely. And so I, I love fab and like, just, we were talking a little bit ago, like one of my leagues, $100 fab, I dropped 75 bucks on Marvin Jones because someone dropped him. I was like, I don't even care. Give me, like, give me, I'll spend that. I don't even care if he put me down to 10 bucks. I should have put more, even though the next highest bid was 24. But I was, I was like, man, just to ensure I should probably should have put it all. Uh, so I love fab like that. And 
sometimes you'll spend 75. Like the realization that I could have gotten him for 25, it's disappointing, but I like that I just went after my guy. No regrets. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is actually something we may instill earlier. We may wait till closer to the season and see how people feel about installing it for the upcoming uh, this year. Um, but these are conversations to be had at a later time. So those are kind of the rule changes that are going to be upcoming, uh, the things that we're going to be doing. But that's not the point of this podcast. So we've hit the news and notes. We've got through some announcements. Now it's time for what we're all here for, strategy plays with your fantasy football team. Let me start with, uh, let me start with this question. You're sitting here. It's June 4th when we're recording. You're looking at your roster. How do you evaluate how good or bad your team is? What metrics do you use to gauge uh, your team's success? Let's, uh, let's start it off with Justin. How do you gauge? I mean, I want good players on my team, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, um, when, I, when I'm evaluating players, um, like, you know, we made the recent adjustment to add a receiver spot, which changed values for me. Um, like, like I told you, it kind of changes the way I evaluate my DeAndre Hopkins trade I made earlier in the season uh, or in the offseason. Uh, but no regrets, you know, still sliding out. You know, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and Cortland Sutton in those three receiver spots. And I'll take that. I'm excited about that. Um, so when, I, when I'm evaluating players, I want to have a core of studs. Yeah, I think that there's some people I want – I need to have some really good players. If I don't have, if I don't have any studs, then I'm not going to win now. That, that, I, don't, I don't believe so. If it happens, that's great for you. Phenomenal. Justin Campbell's not going to win that way. Um, so if I look at my team and I'm like, I've got a bunch of like twos and threes at the position. I've got, you know, I've got high floor, a lot of steady. All right, let's try to trade three or four or five of these guys for a stud. Let's try to move some, let's move some capital, whatever we need to do to make sure I have some studs going forward, you know, young studs. Um, and so I'm looking at my team, like right now I'm looking at it. Um, I like my running backs, I like my receivers, but my, my flex I don't like because they're easily, those two guys could combine for only 10 points in a week. And so I don't like that, you know, which, they're Jordan Howard and Tyra Williams, right? Like that's, there's some value there, I guess, you know, but I'm looking at my team now. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm one or two players away for sure. from being able to make a run now. And so and I like my depth. I think I've got some decent depth plays that people that could be good. Mike Kosicki, Kenny Stills, uh, Muhammad Sanu, which we talked about earlier, Chris Thompson, you know, Drew Locke, Matt Breda. I've got some guys that could be something, you know, but probably won't be. Um, so I don't see myself as like a championship contender this year because I feel like I'm, I've got some studs like, you know, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Joe. I've got some guys that I think are st really, really good, but I'm really worried about the, those two flex spots. Does that make sense? Like I want to have a higher floor for those flex spots. And uh, now that we added that receiver spot, it changed that strategy for me. Okay. So you would say the evaluation is based on your core, uh, your core group of starters and ensuring that you have a handful of studs to help win you weeks. That would be yeah, your first fair. step of an evaluation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, Park, what yeah. you got? Oh, my oh sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin. No, um, sorry. Uh, real quickly, I just want to put the, I realized that I had a note on this instead of just talking off the web. I put it in this order when I'm evaluating like a player necessarily, which combines to my team, is it goes talent, position scarcity, landing spot, draft capital, and I never consider schedule. Yeah, that's the order of what, the way I evaluate talent. So you never consider schedule? No. No, it's too, it's too fluid, you know? Like, well, you think, well, that defense is really good, but then they lose their best defense. You know, what is um, – I don't know, what are the Chargers if they lose uh, Derwin James or Bosa? You know, like, well, it's a much different defense at that point. 
Uh, and so, yeah, I know I can consider schedule. Okay. Parker, what you got? You got anything to add to that? To that last bit or just to the question in general? Question in general. How do I evaluate whether I'm in when now or rebuilding? Um, I, th I think it, Justin pretty much covered it. When I look at my roster, if I've got two, preferably three or four names that just jump off the page, you know what I mean? The, the, you look at them and you know these are guys that are as sure a thing as you can get in fantasy. Now, the nature of fantasy football is that it's unpredictable, and a team that you look at and think, I'm in win-now mode, can royally flop in that season because somebody gets hurt or somebody isn't you know up to scratch even these really good players have years where you just rather not have them but I I look at my team and if I've got if I've got at least three preferably four or more players that I know for a fact are going to be the workhorse at their positions for those teams then I'm I'm in win now mode and I'll, I'll be as aggressive as I feel like I can let myself be to bring in more, um, more stockpile the future for the future where I can, when I can. But that's how it, how it works for me. I go very heavily off of last year's performances. And um, I like looking at a player and looking at where they ranked among their positions going back, you know, as far as I can go back. If they're consistently top 10, at their position, then, you know, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot barring injury. You know, it's interesting looking at your guys' rosters. Uh, both of you have your core group of studs, but no offense, Justin, I'm going to take a second on Parker's. Parker, uh, you're sitting here with Alvin Kamara and Zeke Elliott and Kenny Galladay as kind of your – and Russell, um, Russell Wilson, who could easily win MVP this year. Not only that, but you have a young bench. I mean, you have Tyler Boyd on the bench. You have, uh, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, JT, you picked up in the draft. You, you kind of are in win-now mode. Uh, I think both of you are in win-now mode. Uh, so the question I have is, if you are in win-now mode, you find yourself with the roster with the studs, you find yourself based on uh, your, your depth, have enough talent to continue to produce week in and week out, when do you start leveraging future capital to win now? Or do you ever leverage future capital to win now? Parker, what you got? Um, I'm, for me, nothing is ever out of the question. Does that make sense? So even, even when I am in win now mode, I'll listen to just about any trade. And if I see a player that I like better than, than the one that I've got now, I'll, you know, I'll go out of my way to, to try and, and acquire that asset. That's I mean, for me, it's a week by week thing. I go, I evaluate my team pretty heavily based week by week performances. And if, uh, if a player has kind of a spotty performance, my, my threshold usually about three weeks, if they go three weeks and they're playing, they're getting their snaps, but they're not producing. That's when I kind of start to look to trade away. So if, you know, I could have a big name player, but if they go three weeks or more, uh, I'm seriously considering trading them for, for future draft capital. And on the opposite end of that, if somebody's got a younger player or, or just a player in general that's outperforming expectations for weeks on end, then I'll see about acquiring that asset. 
Okay, Jess, what you got? Do you uh, do you leverage future picks, young players, in order to win the, the ring now? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, I think it's I'll, I'll do anything. Like, I've I'll trade away. I traded away Kyler Murray the other day because I didn't think in a super flex because I didn't think I was gonna win now. But I got uh, Jared Judy, Joe Burrow, and a first, right? And I was like, okay, let's let's rock and roll, right? Um, like, I'll trade away a guy and kind of push me back two years probably, but I'll be set in two years, right? Um, and I think the inverse is true, though, too. I'd be willing to trade those guys for a Kyler Murray if I was in a win-now mode. Like, I, I would do that, and even though those are all three great future assets. Um, and I, I think it's interesting, Parker, what you said about the three-week rule kind of for you. I, I don't think you called it the three-week rule, but um, but <laughs> that three weeks of getting someone that's, you know, they need to be good for three weeks, man – this is where I – this is Justin Campbell's issues with fantasy football. You have a great one week, and I look at it, and I think – and I, if I can try to extract – like, I believe in this. I'll, I'll trade for it because I think if you wait for the third week for me – like, because I, I used to wait a long time, but mine was always a month. I needed four, four weeks. And then I realized, man, that price just got so high, and I missed it. I was like, oh, missed it. You know, that's, that stinks for me. Um, and – I'm probably not as good at trading as a lot of other people are. I, my prices some, are all over the place. Um, and so I have a hard time with that sometimes. But, yeah, usually for me it's, I mean, two weeks tops for me is when I'm like, all right, I'm either going now or I'm not going at all because then the price just escalates. See, in, in our dynasty, I am, like I mentioned earlier, I'm in nowhere near win-now mode. I am yeah. uh, hemorrhaging assets to try to uh, – or uh, hemorrhaging players to try to rebuild – but in a couple of my dynasties, I am. And I actually disagree with both of you on, on one thing. I'm a buyer, a huge buyer. Um, I, I believe in, like Parker said, you know, the three-week rule, I'm the guy you would trade to. Uh, I believe that if, if, I, if I see a situation or a talent that I believe in, Justin, to your point, I have gut feelings. If I look at a player and say, I just, I, I have a feeling this guy's going to break, I'll trade. Uh, and I've, I've struck out several times on that sure. i've struck gold several sure. times on that uh i was a big believer in kaylin balash so in a couple of leagues <laughs> last year he started doing poorly and i was able to get him in a lot of my leagues and i felt pretty good it turned out to be terrible i also did the same thing with raheem mustard so it's kind of a give or take right, you know right. um sometimes you hit sometimes you don't but i'm a big buying if i'm in win now mode i'm buying constantly i am yeah. constantly constantly buying and um just like an NBA team winning a championship. I don't care if it puts me back. I don't care if, if, you know, next year I'm trash. If I'm holding up the trophy now, then there is not a price that I won't pay to get it because it may be three or four years before I find myself in that situation. Yeah. Well, you'd be a great GM for a LeBron team then, right? <laughs> and me too. Like, I, that's not a dig on LeBron. I'm, I'm the same way. It's like you get LeBron. And what do you do? Surround him with older veteran guys because they need to play sound defense together. And he's going to drive it. They're going to work a very fundamentally sound offense and defense. And he doesn't have time for your rookies to figure it out. You know, he's 30, 30, 10. I don't know how old he is. <laughs> I just said that. I don't know how old he is. But he's pretty old, you know. It's so like I, the same way, though. You know, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it that the Heat haven't done a playoff run since they went to the championship four years in a row and won two of them. You know, it's worth it. It's worth it. I, don't know. I would make that every single time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting with that because I think, you know, looking at – Justin, looking at your, your roster here, I have your roster loaded up, you've traded away a lot of draft picks for the next couple of years. Um, you know, you only have three draft picks this year. You've only got two, three next year. You know, you, you've been trading out a lot. Uh, 
to to get into win now mode you said you're a piece away yeah a piece away what is the piece that you think you're you're missing to make this championship run well as i pull up your roster i <laughs> would be no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> let's make something happen right now no i mean like like i mean well you know i tried to trade for amari cooper on your team you know a couple weeks ago because i think you know something like that obviously that's a high-end stud but like I mean, I would give you a first and a second a bench piece offline for Amari Cooper right now to make that happen, and my team would win it. But I don't know, I say would win the championship, but would people would be a little more intimidated by my team at that point, you know, be get some respect. So if you wanted to do that, we could talk about a first and a second and a bench piece. But um, now, yes, I, I'm willing to because I like you said, I only have three picks, but I still have my first, my second, and my fourth. You know, so it's not like I've traded away my top end draft capital. Um, and yeah, I'll be like over the next couple months as we kind of get near to the season, you know, I think there's people get starting to get excited about players and stuff and there come, you know, some bench guys that'll get some hype and I can try to move those along with the draft pick and get my, get whoever my guy is at that point. Get them into position. Parker, you said you're in win now mode. Um, what, what pieces do you think you're missing in order to make this championship run? Uh, a stud wide receiver would be, I mean, outside of Kenny Galladay, I really don't have any home run hitters. I don't think at the wide receiver position, I could be wrong. I'm not looking at it right now, but he's the only name that, that jumps out at me at the wide receiver spot. I feel like everywhere else I'm pretty competitive, but at the wide receiver spot, I'm missing, you know, that guy that's, that's going to give you 15 points anywhere between 10 to 15 points, you know, on average a week, he's got his outlier games in both directions. But I feel like that's that's probably the piece that I'm missing. If I had to pick one, would be a wide receiver. You've got Corey Davis. Oh, oh boy. What, what more do you need? Get out of here with that. <laughs> I, I will say Brian Tannehill. <laughs> hey <-o. laughs> I will say, I will say, all joking aside, um, you do have a lot of home run hitters that could hit at any given week. I'm looking at your bench here. Um, you know, you have John Brown. Uh, you have Jules, you have Tyler Boyd. All these players could, at any given week, take off. Well, that was a 70-point week and then do nothing the rest of the year. Exactly. It's, you know, especially John Brown. That is kind of his uh, – that's his M.O., right? One day he's going to get 153 yards and two touchdowns. You're going to kick yourself for not starting him. Starting him the next week and he's going to get a goose egg. Yeah, the, he uh, was a wide receiver, and I think he did it all in one or two games. <laughs> yeah, That's kind of true. That's kind of true. So transitioning a little bit from this mentality of win now, uh, being willing to trade out assets, buy uh, frequently and often. If you have a win now roster, there have been two strategies I've seen this offseason, and I want your, your uh, gauge on how this works. Nick and Cameron played for the championship game last year. Cameron has held his cards close to his chest and hasn't really given up much assets because he believes his team is sustainable. Nick, on the other hand, has wheeled and dealed like a madman to try to get positional upgrades. You know, he'll, he'll trade a wide receiver 10 to try to get a wide receiver 9. Of these two strategies, which one are you more comfortable with? Justin, what you got? More comfortable with? I'm more comfortable with Cameron's style. Like, I've got a good team. Let's hold on to it. But it's not what I would do because I like adrenaline and I like to <laughs> I like to hedge my bets, right? So it's like, all right, if I like this guy a little bit more, let's try to, you know, you know, let's try to make my team just a little bit better. Because second place, I mean, 
no one's going to remember that doesn't go down in the league history right um and so i i mean it's all about getting to that championship and so uh when second place is the most frustrating place for me it's like all right what can i do to be a little bit better than next year you know so more comfortable with cam wouldn't do that though (laughs) Parker, what you got well i think it is probably an example of of where they ended up right it's really easy to take cameron's approach when you win it all you know you don't sit back and you look at your roster and you think yeah i was really deficient in this one area which is why i didn't win you know so i am i'm like justin said i'm much more comfortable with cameron's style i feel like that's just kind of how i am in general with fantasy i don't like blowing it all up um so i'm i'm much more comfortable with cam style but i'm not opposed to to taking nick's approach especially if you come so close and you feel like you're just missing like one two players that could really spring it open for you then then why not you know why not wheel and deal see if you can can get those pieces that you're after okay well um that kind of covers the win now stuff let's jump in and transition into the you are in my situation you're looking at your roster you realize yikes i finished middle of the pack last year and i was on pace to finishing middle of the pack this year so i decided to engage in a rebuild uh what are you looking for when you decide i'm gonna i'm gonna break this down i'm gonna break this joker down and try to start over uh parker what you got when do you decide to rebuild uh i look at I look at age, especially of the, what we go back to talking about your core, you know, your core of studs, if you've got them, uh, when they start getting a little bit older, when they start breaking down a little bit, or if you've got a team that you put together and you felt really good about, but it's been two years now and you've not won anything of, of any significance. then I feel like at, at that point, you've got to look at breaking it down and starting over. And it starts with trading away your, your best players for as, as much as you can get for them. Right. You, you get rid of the Julio Jones for as much as you can get for him or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, Just blow it all up at that point, you know, especially invest really heavily in the draft, which is something that that I don't like to do. Going back to what we were talking about in in the last question, uh, I would way rather take trade away a high draft pick and get a veteran that I know has produced in the past than than take a rookie that you know he may or may not strike gold. But I feel like when you go into rebuild rebuild now. Um, the draft is where you do it. You do it in the draft. You do it in the off season. Uh, so that that's how I would I would evaluate the the age and and the performance of my team if it's been a couple of years since I've won anything. And I'm talking like deep playoff runs. If you're if you're winning a game, maybe or two in the playoffs, I feel like that's probably not something that you want to continue to do. That's just that just sounds like the Cincinnati Bengals, right? You make it to the playoffs and then you lose. Well, congratulations. Exactly the reference I was going to make. <laughs> because when, when you do it that way, you don't get, especially if you're in the NFL, you get a, a terrible draft spot. 
you know, the tail end of the first round is just not where you want to be, especially if you're not winning at all. If you're sitting at the 32nd pick, well, then you can feel good about that because you just won the Super Bowl, you know. But if you're sitting at pick 28, 27, I mean, at that point, it might as well be the 32nd. Um, but you didn't win anything. And so that's, that's how I kind of view that. If you're, if you're making it to the playoffs but then not doing anything for two years, three years, then, you know, look at rebuilding. Okay, Justin, we're going to flip it over to you here. What you got? Yeah, I think rebuilding is one of the hardest things for me because you do have to let go of the studs, like Parker said. Um, and so, like, selling – I don't know. First, you have to be really authentic with yourself, right? I'm the worst about talking about my guys. Like, I'll look at, like, yeah, you know, Matt Breda, you know, think if you know, if he does this and does that, he, he – well, running back, like, 10, 5, he – I guess he could be running back one. You know, it's like, I just, I just got, I started really talking up my own guys. And, but it's like trying to be, I like to type it out a little bit. That helps me have some realization about it. You know, just type out my roster rather than just scrolling through it. And like, oh, no, I don't like these guys on other teams. Like, I wouldn't trade whatever for whoever. Um, then it's just like, okay. And I, but I'm not going to sell low either. You know, I'm going to, if I have to hold on to Julio until he retires, that's fine. If no one's going to give me, you know, what I think is worth it, I'm not just going to trade him like, because if the highest offer I get is like a second and a fifth, that's not, it's just not enough. So I'm going to, I'll just hold them then. That's fine. And maybe, maybe I'll get lucky and I'll win. The, maybe I will win it. You know, maybe something weird will happen and Julio is the wide receiver one, you know, and that things just really work out for me. Um, and the longer you hold, the more that price goes up, right? You get closer and closer to the playoffs. People really start wanting those studs to get them over the hill. So the longer you hold, the better that gets. Um, and I think age is an interesting thing to consider. I typed this out. I think, so age matters in fantasy football, similar to when you're in a dating relationship or in a dating state of mind. If you're just here for the here and now, age is just a number, right? Like you, you, can, you can go on a date with someone that's 20 years older than you for like, you know, whatever. And you can get married, like that, that can happen too. But if you want to grow old together and retire together and go through all those things together, you usually want someone in a similar lifeboat as yourself, you know? And so if you're looking for the rebuild, you know, you got to go young. You got to kind of go down there. But if you're in the wind now, you're here for the present, then you get, if you need a, you know, I think it's okay to have a big Ben on that roster, right? It's okay to have a Julio Jones on that roster. Uh, these guys that are a little bit older, but are going to be really good at their positions. Yeah, I think it's a good call on both of your ends. However, I would like to offer a little bit of a, um, just a thought to consider. A lot of people believe that if you can't win now in a championship, like Parker said, if you're just making it to the playoffs and losing in the first round, then maybe it's time to break it down. That's what I chose to do. So obviously I'm not necessarily against that model. However, it, it comes to my attention that in fantasy football, all it takes is one week yeah. to change it. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, you lose into the first round of the playoffs, you have a player go ham that wasn't expected or a player on their team underperform or get injured. You're there. You, you find yourself in the later rounds of the playoffs or in the championship. So to some degree, I'm going to counter even what I'm doing and say that sometimes just being there consistently, unlike in the NFL where talent always wins out, you know, generally speaking in fantasy, that's not always true. Sometimes it's a dice roll. And so being in position constantly to make a run is equally as important. So I am the only team right now undergoing a rebuild in our league, despite the fact that I think there should be more. I'm the only one actively rebuilding. Which I, I want to put your rebuild is fantastic. I was looking at it just like in reference to this podcast. 
to gas you up a little bit, because I know you're too humble to do it, the oldest person on your starting roster is Darren Waller. That's the oldest person on your starting roster. And, you're, and people are like, oh, so his roster is terrible. Not his quarterback is Dak Prescott. His running backs are Josh Jacobs and Cam Akers, which Cam Akers we'll see, but I, I still like him. Your receivers are Amari Cooper, Devontae Parker, DJ Chark, Matt Cap. You also have CeeDee Lamb, right? And you have three first and three seconds. Like, it's not – like, your team could compete this year. It could. And you have all that capital. You're, you're t- I, I, was, I was frustrated when I just started researching for this episode how young and talented your team is. It's been, it's, it's been hard, though. Uh, like you said – both of you mentioned this, getting rid of that bona fide star for the prospect of what could be is hard. It's very painful. It, it, it pained me to give away some of the guys that I had to give away to get to this point. Uh, and there were also young guys that I flipped for younger assets. Uh, for instance, I, I'm, I, I got rid of Gallup. Uh, Gallup was a hard one to get rid of, but I am a huge believer in Deontay Johnson's future. Uh, I believe also in some of the, I got some draft capital for that as well. It's hard, though, when you're handing away people like, you know, Leonard Fournette, who I know next year is going to be a top 15 running back, for the chance that Cam Akers could be there someday. Um, I made a couple of really risky plays for Keyshawn Vaughn, um, which I'm a big believer in, uh, his upside. And so, you know what, Justin, I see your eye roll. But it's it's not easy to go into a – it takes a lot of courage to walk into a rebuild. Um, let's, let's get you in some trouble here. Both of you have to look at the league and both of you have to choose one player who's not presently in a rebuild that should, that should undergo a rebuild in your opinion. Wow. Wow. Let's just, let's make some rivals today, boys. You didn't even give us much of a heads up. We got to go, we got to scroll through this real quick. While you're doing that, then I will, uh, I have a couple of things I'd like to say, um, before we do that. So look, here's the reality of it. Our league is now a three wide receiver league. And as much as I enjoy a three wide receiver league, I don't believe, I don't believe that we want to keep it there forever. So I've been reached out by a couple of people and I would like us to consider the fact that maybe in 2021 or 2022, we transition from a three wide receiver league to a two running back, two wide receiver, and then add an additional flex. Some of you have reached out for a super flex. My concern is that's going to be at least three years out to give people time to develop the rosters in such a way to have two effective quarterbacks. Many of us don't have those luxuries. For instance, Justin, who is running out there, Tannehill and uh, Matt Ryan. So next year, and, I, and Andrew Locke, my team and would be the best. He won't have a starting quarterback next year. So we want, to, we want to give people like Justin plenty of time to be able to get the assets he needs to run a super flex league. Just some thoughts to consider as you look into the future of our fantasy league and what things we may do uh, down the road to increase comp- uh, competitive spirit. So, giving you guys a couple of minutes here to identify a team in our league that needs to undergo a rebuild that hasn't decided to yet. Um, I mean, yeah, go for it. <laughs> this is hard. Um, all right. So, I'm, yeah, I mean this. I'm looking over it again just to make sure. There's two that stuck out to me. Um, Oh, all right, I'll go with the other one because one of these guys, one of the two guys that I have in my mind that we've kind of roasted on our last podcast were his draft pick in the first round of the uh, of our rookie draft, but no reason to say his name. Um, so I'm going to go with the the other Justin, if you will, on Jay Riggity. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I like I like Patrick Mahomes, but he's in a perfect a perfect position to sell. Sell Derrick Henry. Like sell him to me. Like, you want <laughs> capital? I'll give you capital. Like that's he's he's gonna be great. <laughs> but he's, I don't think he's gonna be great next year. I think he's got one more year, two tops, right? Sell him. Sell Stefan Diggs. And he's got – sell James Conner, who's got, a, you know, a high floor. And he's going to be rolling out. I mean, he's rolling Patrick Mahomes. He may, if you can hold on to Mixon, hold on to Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown. Um, and I like his bench, too, with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's got a lot of pieces that I'm really into um, that are young. And so, I, I, if I was him, I'm selling Derrick Henry. I'm okay with selling Mixon, too, because he might hold out. Let's just kind of, like, Let's move these two guys, these guys that are studs, which I'm lower on Mixon than most. I'm okay with disagreeing on that. Um, I think he's a great talent, but I don't know. Maybe it's just the Cincinnati vibe that I get. But trading away those backs and get in and stuff on Diggs and maybe Mahomes. It's a one quarterback league, uh, which, you know, I, I don't know something that I would really consider personally, but I know I, I stream the quarterback position. Um, so I think he's in a great position to rebuild and stock up some capital. Okay, Park, what you got? Yeah, Justin was one that I was looking at. Um, I would, I mean, probably my own team could be one that could that could go into a rebuild. I think I'm I'm in win now mode myself, but I'm in a position where I could I could rapidly transition into rebuild if I wanted to. But I. This is it's difficult for me because I look at these teams and I think, well, he just needs like one player or 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 two players to be to go from worst to first, you know, in in our league as small as it is. But I'd say Justin, I looked a little bit at uh, at Hampton's team and and there's some pieces there that I think he could but you know, he's pretty young on on his roster still so no reason to rebuild there i i would i would say that justin is probably in the best position to do rebuild hey, your dad is also in a, i mean like I, I didn't want to say it but i was looking at it again i think it's the right answer he's got love bell david or yeah david johnson uh alan jarvis landry you want to talk about old vets that are still good that's what his team is full of i actually was that was going to be my answer i have it yeah. loaded up here and i even have remarked in priority listing here are the three players he should immediately flip in order keenan allen lev bell and then david johnson yeah. you could get a tremendous amount i mean consider this both of you are in win now mode would you not buy keenan allen david johnson or lev bell to put in a flex to get to get over the hill i mean of those guys david johnson's going to have the workload we forget Houston was running back four last year. It just was broken up between three people. David Johnson is the best running back that Houston's had for quite some time. Keenan Allen, though he's taking a step down, is still going to have an incredible play. He's always done well, always done well on comeback routes. In fact, that's where he often makes his mark. So we have one of the best comeback uh, route receiver runners and Tyrod Taylor, who's constantly going to be throwing those because he's going to be out of the pocket. Not only that, but Lev Bell, despite his in, uh, inconsistency in his performance last year, is remarkably talented in fantasy to bounce back. He's proven it in his career multiple times. And I believe that in a short offense system, Adam Gaze, that Lev Bell is going to be heavily involved in the passing game. Will he lose touchdown targets? Yes. Will he lose those uh, TD runs from the one-yard line with Frank Gore on the roster? Yes. Do I believe that there's a chance that LaMichael Perrine is going to take over the team next year? Absolutely. 
Does that mean that this year Lev Bell doesn't have the potential to be a top seven running back? Of course he does. So all three of these assets are, are tradable and flippable to people like you who would pay a good and hefty price for them. Uh, Dad, if you're listening to this, I love you, but it's time to rebuild. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> well, guys, uh, we're running here at the end of the show. Uh, appreciate it. Let me, uh, let me offer this to you, um, Justin Parker. I'm going to give you a second to give your spiel. Uh, do you, if, if there's a player you want to put on the trade block officially, if there's a wide a position that you're looking to trade for, give the league uh, just a heads up of here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm hoping for. Uh, so if anyone's listening to this, they can send you an offer if they're interested. Uh, Parker, what you got? Uh, nobody's off limits. So I will listen to trade offers for anybody on my roster at any point. Um, that will always be true. That's, I don't know. That's, that's one of the fun things about fantasy for me is the crazy trades that happen. But no, nobody's off limits, and I'm looking to buy a wide receiver. Um, I inquired about Thielen, and then when the Thielen trade actually came out, it turned my stomach a little bit to see how much was given up for him. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking for serviceable wide receivers. doesn't necessarily have to be a stud. But that's, that's my spiel. Wide receiver, nobody's off limits. Yeah. Um... Same. I mean, you know, everybody's got a price, right? You want someone from my team? Let's go. Let's make something happen. Um, but yeah, man, I think I'm. Well, uh, I need a running back. I need a running back. I like. I, I love two of my backs, and that's that's it. Uh, so yeah, a, a good solid running back, which I know is harder to find than a good solid receiver. Um, but that would be my my what I'm looking for, I guess. Um, and if you wanted someone that's like super on the block for me, uh, Tyrell Williams, come and get him. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, so um, here's the deal. Uh, On my team, I want picks and young assets. I don't really have much anymore that you may want, but hey, everyone's everyone's for sale. Uh, Thanks again, guys, for coming out and doing this kind of emergency drop. Uh, We're going to be publishing this later this afternoon, I hope, if I can edit it down. And uh, I'm going to label time markers so people can skip ahead to what they're interested in if we're in a conversation they're like eh, no, i don't want this we can skip ahead we'll try to do that for them uh is there anything else that you guys would like to to see our podcast do i mean we're going to do the draft reports i'll try to write weekly reports of game after games to say you know here's who did well this week here was the biggest surprise shock things like that this podcast anything else that you guys would like to uh to see our league do I don't know how much else, how much more else there is. <laughs> how much stuff is there? <laughs> I don't know. I think this is really cool. I, I'm really enjoying the the podcast thing, but any, anything like that, I like social media platforms. That's where the smack talk really comes to life. Um, even though I don't do a whole lot of smack talking myself, I think it's bad karma, but <laughs> it's fun to watch. You know, I'll watch smack talk and listen to it. Social media platforms, stuff like this, YouTube, YouTube channels, uh, I think it's all cool. Even if it's just for us. You know what I mean? Here's my thing. I want more smack talking this year, so I'm going to task both of you with stepping up your game. Um, <laughs> like The reality is, is we're a bunch of preachers, and so I know sometimes we are not comfortable saying things like, 
yo, we're going to take you down or your team's garbage or prepare to lose. But we got, we got to step up something. I know Nick Rice has tried to a couple times engage it. Um, I'm an avid smack talker, so I'll just step up my game. Uh, and we'll just, we'll just see where it goes this year. <laughs> yeah, y'all keep trashing on my quarterbacks. I'm, I'm ready to defend them. I've, yo, I, might, I have three of the top 12 quarterbacks this year. I thought <laughs> – yeah. Okay. yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Every podcast so far that we've done, we've talked about your garbage ability to rank quarterbacks. Ryan Tannehill will never, 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 never be a top ten quarterback. He's just not. He's just not. Uh, I would rather have Sam Darnold. I would rather no. have. I would rather oh. have. Uh, he sees ghosts. Is Matt Moore? Still playing football because I'd almost rather have Matt Moore. Like I, I, I do not believe in Ryan Tannehill. So do you, do, you want, do you want a rundown? Like he becomes the starting quarterback in week seven. Here's his fantasy points every game: 18, 18, 25, 18, 31, 12. I'll give you that. He had a bad game. Then 28, 25, 23. What, what do you want? What do you, what, do, what does he have? His last year was great. He also was behind one of the best running backs that we've ever seen in tremendously talented offensive line, and he never had to win a game. Let's start talking when next year Derrick Henry goes down or that offensive line gets injured or he just decides to start playing like Brian Tannehill again. Will, you're telling me you believe in his ability to lead a second-half comeback or a fourth quarter drive to win the game. Because when the money's, when the game's on the line, that boy cannot throw the ball. See, this is crazy. I thought we were talking about fantasy football. That's crazy. My bad. That's on me. That's on me. You want to talk real football, we can talk that. But in okay, fantasy okay. football, yeah. Yeah, he's absolutely – he doesn't – sorry, do you, do you get more points for fourth quarter comebacks? Do you get a bonus That's a fair for that? point. That's oh, a fair oh, point. Okay, good. But, but look, I wouldn't want him – I <laughs> Which he had like six last year or something like that. Look. He had four. But still. I would – I'm not saying I, – I wouldn't want him to lead my NFL team. I don't want him at the helm of my fantasy football team. He doesn't have to. We have Matt Ryan. <laughs> Who's going to be a bona fide stud this year? Wh- why not? Oh, Matt Ryan? oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Matt Ryan. Is, okay, is Calvin Ridley a top 20 receiver this year? Uh, yes. Parker? Uh, sure, yeah. Is Julio Jones a top 20 receiver this year? Yeah. Top 10, yeah, absolutely. Is Hayden Hurst a top 20 tight end this year? Top 20? Absolutely, yeah, okay. of course. Top, is, top 10? Is, no. Is Todd Gurley going to get, you know, at least 50 targets? Is Todd Gurley going to be able to tie his shoes without breaking his body? <laughs> eight games? Yes. Uh, <laughs> for eight games, yes. And uh, I think almost all of Almost all their games are in the dome this year, or in domes. Like this is, y'all can sleep. That's I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What I, I don't know how to prove it. Like Matt Ryan's done this. This isn't like, oh, Matt Ryan gonna be a top quarterback. He does it every other year, every other um, year, and that's true. And this is his year according to that pattern. I'm not saying that it isn't. My concern is just with no offensive line, with no defense, and with absolutely no consistent running attack. With Todd Gurley being in and out of the lineup, I mean, are we really gonna trust Edo Smith? to be the guy to run it at 2.3 yards a carry again. We're not. We're going to trust Matt Ryan because they have to score <laughs> then. That's the point. <laughs> I was going to say, well, I think like you made arguments in favor of Matt Ryan. I was feeling a little bit better about Matt Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt defense, no running back. 
great. Throw the ball. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll Hashtag see on that. Agrees. We'll see on that. We'll see on that. Um, in all seriousness, good luck to you two this year. Uh, I, I, Barker, I know you said that you might consider a rebuild. I wouldn't. Uh, I think out of all the lineups, your your running backs are, are – Sell it away. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to buy. <laughs> Well, anyway, all, all seriousness, thanks guys so much for, uh, for joining in. Um, guys, I hope you've been enjoying this podcast next week. We'll be picking up with Cameron. He'll be giving us a little bit of a rundown of his championship run, what he's looking to accomplish this year. And um, uh, you want to talk about someone who can smack talk. We'll probably have some of that next week as well. Uh, the week after that, we're going to have Nick Rice. And then in uh, three weeks, we're going to do a couple of you guys are going to jump on and we're going to do a mock draft for a redraft league, a standard redraft yeah. league. So we can kind of give our pointers on how we draft those. I know all of us in this chat are in several other redraft leagues. So uh, we'll talk a little redraft strategy, how we decide who does it. Parker will regale us with stories of the leagues we've been in in the past. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. So thank you guys so much. And uh, 